And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it Marcus Smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> Aziz. Hey, Jay, I, I see yeah, you. She. Welcome to LA Tigers the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you guys on a Thursday afternoon after the Celtics split their first two games on their weird West Coast trip. They managed to pull out a game against the Golden State Warriors where Steph Curry was uh, just wildly open and knocking down lots of shots and doing Steph Curry things, but the Celtics managed to offensive rebound their way out of that close game, and then they drop a game to the Sacramento Kings where they had no Kemba Walker, no Peyton Pritchard, basically no point guards at all, and they couldn't stop De'Aaron Fox. Uh, they down did have the Jeff bridge. Teague. They did have Jeff Teague, and Jeff Teague did not do They did have Tremont Waters. They did have Tremont Waters, and Tremont Waters did not do much. Tremont Waters did too much. Oh, yes. Tremont Waters is one of the more ambitious, uh, idealistic, uh, has more belief in his own ability than any really kind of role-player point guard at this point. I'm talking launching 28-foot threes, uh, just going ISO at the end of shot clocks. And I love watching Tremont Waters plays because he th- also throws some like very ambitious passes. He had one very nice pass to Time Lord at the end of the game, but – just not a lot of success for Tremont Waters, and I think he played close to 20 minutes in this game, more. Yeah, I feel bad for starting off with the Tremont Waters bashing. Um, we can bash Jeff Teague if you'd like. Uh, Tremont no, Waters what, played 23 minutes and was a minus six. Jeff Teague, 23 minutes, was a plus five. So maybe we should still, uh, Jeff praise Teague Jeff Teague. Jeff is the plus minus god. Jeff Teague, for whatever reason. Good things happen when he's on the court. He I don't know. One for six from the field with one only one turnover. It just you don't like your chances when both those guys are out. It's kind of built in. You thought there's a chance that Peyton Pritchard might come back, and uh they kind of felt like he was sorely needed because the offense basically turned into Jason Tatum go do everything. Which kind of worked. Their offense when he was on the court 
123.2 points per 100 possessions, which is fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Their offense without him on the court during, I think it was nine minutes, they got outscored by 11 points. Their offense scored 50 points per 100 possessions. Everything 50? broke down. Everything 50? broke down. 50. Everything broke down. And and he's important in the best of times. He's incredibly important in the best of times. But when they are shorthanded, he's the force that gets double teamed and draws all the help and makes everything easier for everyone else. And go going back to bash and Tremont Waters, that's kind of why <laughs> that's kind of why it was troubling that Tremont Waters felt compelled to try the things that he did because he was usually on the court with Jason Tatum. He might have always been on the court with Jason Tatum. And and the shots that he was taking, it's like, bro, just pass it. Pass it to that guy <laughs> over there. That's 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 what you need to do. And then the team will get a good look. Um, I don't want to bash on Tremont too much because I think like you can identify those shots, but overall the Celtics offense was pretty good. And he, he did have five assists and he is he has incredible court vision. His court vision is elite. And but but when you look at like what he needs to do to establish himself at the NBA level. It, he's going to need to become more efficient as a scorer. And he needs and, to pick his spots. There's time for Tremont Waters. and But the thing that's interesting about him is that, like, he needs to be aggressive and, like, uh, for him to be that effective. Let's move like, on from Tremont. Man. I, I feel bad about the Tremont talk. The, the man that? has great core vision. Stunning core vision. And the offense really wasn't the issue in the game against the Kings. The issue was they couldn't stop De'Aaron Fox at all. And – they got in foul trouble early in the fourth quarter and Harrison Barnes went to the line six times just with dumb fouls. Like there's just the fouls were bad. The Grant Williams like shove on Harrison Barnes is like, guy, there's a little too much. He's like, he's trying to play physical, but it's just, he's an exuberant bro. I also, I think like refs don't like Grant Williams just cause they can smell. He's a nerd, you know? And so they're always going to uh, call one against him, but the Celtics really, I think that's a problem with Teague and Tremont waters is that, they can really target any team can target those guys on defense. Uh, some of the Harrison Barnes fouls were just uh, the Celtics trying to overreact because he was posting up Teague. Darren Fox beat Teague a couple of times. Darren Fox is just fast. Darren Fox is wildly athletic. He blew by Jalen Brown, and that's when you kind of open your eyes and you're like, that's a different type of fast because Jalen Brown is extremely fast. Darren Fox is just a blur. And the Celtics really didn't have an answer for him down the stretch. He had that nice kind of up and under move uh, at the lane or with the left hand. He's just very good. And so the Celtics being in foul trouble, missing some foul shots themselves. I know I'm not, I'd be a hypocrite if I was going to complain about foul shooting uh, after my whole rant about people being mad online last episode, but it would help that they make their now free you're mad online. I'm not mad. I'm just saying uh, it would be good to make them, but I'm not upset that they didn't make them because you know what? Stuff happens. The foul I will trouble. say, Grant Williams had the greatest free throw miss I was think amazing. the Celtics have had in a while. He gave them a chance by having the perfect free throw miss, and then he rebounded his own shot. He did the – the guys never do that right. They always throw it off the backboard and it doesn't hit the rim, or they throw it short and it air balls. Or they screw it up somehow. Grant did it perfectly, perfectly, and got the rebound. Found Jason Tatum. Tatum was kind of open. He 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 didn't shoot his natural shot. 
And then and he shot it like three seconds earlier than he ne- like needed to. It was like kind of a weird. No one was really prepared for Grant to get the rebound because that never works in the NBA. Yeah, and there were seven point four seconds left, and they acted like there was one and a half. It was a bizarre ending. Weird things always happen in Sacramento. Sacramento is a weird place. Uh, it's not sure why it's a state capital, but it's there. Uh, it's very bizarre. But solid performance, I think, from just seeing Jason Tatum being the kind of lead guy. No Kemba. It makes you think um, what it like. How much do you balance just giving Jason Tatum the ball and letting him be the go-to uh, facilitator? Is that a better offensive strategy than kind of when Kemba comes back and a more egalitarian offense of trying to get everyone in the flow? Because we really saw them basically just feed Tatum every single time down the court. And it, it worked pretty good. Jason Tatum, not bad at basketball. Smooth motherfucker. See, I think that's the wrong question to ask. Whereas, <laughs> I don't think I don't think those guys need to sacrifice. I think you need to do a better job of building out a supporting cast so that when it is Jason Tatum's turn to cook, it's easier and he has better options around him, better shooters around him, and it's harder to help off those guys and if you do help off those guys, they're going to be open and knock down shots. And okay. It's kind of the- like like the Harden Rockets, like they surrounded him with only guys who could make threes. And that made his job so much easier. And that made him so much more effective. And the Celtics don't have that. And I think like you don't have to take possessions away from Kemba Walker for Jason Tatum to cook. I think all those guys can cook together and they have cooked together. They did it last season. But I think it's the supporting cast that needs to make everything easier for those guys and take some of the burden off those guys. But is Kemba Walker the right fit in terms of maximizing that? Because it feels like we talked last episode, Kemba needs to get in his rhythm. Kenda needs to get his shots. A lot of his like his shots are high pick and roll. He doesn't seem to be uh, blowing by guys or getting to the rim as well as he did as a member of the Hornets. I don't know if that's injury related. He said something about that um, still not feeling comfortable stopping. And so if you're just going to spread out and play kind of pick and roll offense with Jason Tatum, is Kemba the best fit for that? Just because he's not like an off ball guy. Kyrie, when well, he, he was in Celtics, he could really like come around screens and knock down shots. Feels like Kemba. That's not really, you're not running like a curl for Kemba to come around a screen and knock down a three. Is he, a, and is he a great spot up shooter? I don't know if he's necessarily the best fit if your offense is Jason Tatum uh, focused. Yeah, I think he's a great fit because, number one, he's just an awesome offensive player. He can shoot on the catch. He can go if he's on the weak side. He he can break down a defense. And if he's in a pick and roll, then he can either stop and pop a three himself and draw a ton of attention that way from the big or get in the lane and draw a ton of attention that way from the big. I think Kemba, his offense is going to complement Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like I said, I think the bigger issue is the Celtics need more guys that can complement them. And and I think especially offensively, like they have they have some defensive players, but the lack of shooting is just glaring. And the lack of shooting from wings, the lack of shooting from backup point guards, the lack of shooting from big men. They don't have a stretch five unless it's you want to count Daniel like, Tice, who isn't really a stretch five. He might be a stretch five with the way Danny Two Blocks is shooting out there, knocking down threes left and right last night. 
Yeah, but I think I just think like if I think Tatum, Brown, and Walker have shown that when they're on the court, the offense is going to be great. It's when one or two of those guys is off the court and you need more offensive threats. The Celtics just don't really have that, especially when like Peyton Pritchard is, has become a big deal because he can knock down a three and because he can make a play a little bit. And and that that's rare on this Celtics team. It's almost like they need to use some sort of device uh, in the salary cap and in the rules uh, to add a player um, maybe with the biggest trade exception ever. Uh, and I, th- I thought it was a fun. historical trade exception, historic, the biggest trade exception ever. Danny Ainge came out on the sports hub, was talking about how they are looking to use that player, looking to get that exact shooting that you're mentioning and uh, add someone who's on the def- like can play defense and is an uh, impact defender. I kind of like how the tour of the West coast and because they have the biggest trade exception ever, Anytime the Celtics or the Celtics media comes in contact with a potential target, it's going to become evaluate that player night. And last night it was the official uh, first round uh, uh, just evaluating Harrison Barnes as a potential trade exception candidate. Now the Celtics couldn't trade for him directly into the trade exception without going over the hard cap. They probably have to throw in a couple guys. Um, I don't know who that is. Maybe Robio Lankford, uh, Carson Edwards, but kind of yeah, at least they've got some small salary bros to make that work. It's at least like $5 million in salary. But what do you think of the idea of adding Harrison Barnes to this team? Because I am for it. I just think he's a solid basketball player. He's big. can guard through two, two through four shooting like 44% from three this year. Uh, he's just exactly kind of what you described as something they need in terms of depth. Yeah, I I think he makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, he can score a little bit. He can defend multiple positions. He would give them a bigger power forward option who can score a little bit, which they don't really have unless you want to count Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and they're not really like normal power forward types, I guess. Um, And I think the the more size you can get with skill, the better it will be. I'm not sure if he's like the perfect fit, but I'm not sure they'll get a perfect fit. And at 28 years old, he can still grow with this roster. His contract isn't great, which would be a downside, but also could let them get him a little cheaper than, you know, a couple first round picks or whatever it might take to get another guy. So. It's also declining in salary, and so you have to pay a little bit less. It is They would be pretty much up against the hard cap just based for the next three years, just based on paying him, Jalen, Jason, and Kemba Walker. The one thing is he, if Kemba accepts his player option, him and Barnes would come up at the same time, giving you kind of like one more year with presumably much more cap space to go on a run. But I do think there is pressure now for the Celtics. They have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum locked in for the next four years. They're clearly two of the top 20 players in the league right now, and you have a window. And so I think it's worth bringing in a guy you think can complement that. You talk about complementing um, the rest of the team, and I think Harrison Barnes is just kind of the versatile defensive player. And he is he's a 3 and D guy, um, but he's a starting caliber 3 and D guy, and that's the kind of exact person you'd want to bring in to compliment Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So 
I think it makes sense. I I liked what he did in his uh, first review for possible trade exception candidate. And so who knows moving forward? The thing about the trade exception is that there's not a lot of teams you think are going to be sellers going into this deadline. And so it's pretty much feels like it's the Kings, the magic and the bulls are the only ones where you, it makes sense to kind of craft a fake trade because everyone else is kind of at uh, 500 right now and thinks they have a chance for the playoffs. No one else is really in uh, kind of full-on tank mode other than those three teams. Yeah, I, I think it's worth noting, too, that Harrison Barnes is, might be having the best season of his career. He's averaged more points, but his efficiency this year is stellar. He's almost at 50-40-90 through 21 games. He's shooting 49.8% from the field, 41.3% from three, 86.5% from the free throw line, and so Harry, Harry should be on the list. Harry needs to be on the list. Um, I thought Ainge's comments basically saying that defense is very important and you can't get away with having a shooter who can't defend was kind of like, guys, JJ tone it down with the JJ in. talk. <laughs> tone it down with the JJ Reddick talk, please. Uh, did you take it the same way? I hadn't – yes, absolutely, because that's just – People including the Celtics in trade rumors just to drive the price up because they always include the Celtics in trade rumors. And Danny is just saying there is no reason we want a guy who can't play defense, which was my argument uh, an episode ago when talking about J.J. Redick. I think it's a good move to Harrison Barnes. I think with Aaron Gordon going down, I don't know who else really makes that much sense out there. He has uh, a sprained ankle, man. you got to stop acting like he has to get it amputated. I mean, just with the Celtics having this many injuries, you just can't you can't add another injured guy to it. I mean, we saw what happened with Gordon Hayward's ankle, and it ruined the whole season. So I, I just don't trust ankles anymore. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. How big should the Celtics be prepared to go with that trade exception? Like, like, would you want them to try to, like, attach several first-round picks to it and try to get some stud to bring, or maybe not even a stud, but just like a high-end young role player. And I don't know who that would be, but. Well, you need to tell me the player before I say how much I'm willing to give up. I'm willing to give up first-round draft picks. I think one or two, you can't do it in consecutive years. I hope the Celtics are going to be pretty good in a competitive team over the next uh, three to four years. You are because you're going to have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And so those are high 20 picks. It's very hard to hit on those picks. You happen to get um, Peyton Pritchard this year, but you've also drafted uh, Yabusele. He's also drafted James Young. It's just those picks are not guaranteed. So I think, yeah, give those up to add a guy who you can rely on, you know is good at basketball, and you know will complement your two stars. Yeah, and I've that, that's like 
how much ammo do you keep in the in the chamber and how much how much i think if it's the right guy and i don't know who the right guy would be but i think the celtics need to be aggressive because jalen brown and jason tatum have reached the level where anything is possible and if you can get kemba walker healthy and keep him healthy for a playoff run and if you can upgrade that supporting cast then you're cooking and you have a chance and so I think, you know, the front office has at trade deadline normally been quiet the last several years. I think a number of those years, they didn't really think they had a legitimate chance. And I think they were probably right to believe that. But I think time times are different now. And, and Tatum and Brown are good enough that it's time. And, and not only that, but you know what path your franchise is taking now. You know it's not like like you're going after Anthony Davis or you're trying to maximize the timeline with Al Horford. Like, no, it, this is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's team. And whatever you can do to build out a supporting cast to sustain a level of competitiveness and give yourself several chances over the next few years is what you have to try to do. And that's why Danny Ainge would he would hoard assets in the past also, because- while also positioning yourself to be very good when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown become free agents and could leave because you want to be able to keep those guys. Yeah. So you want to like the reason you hoard assets is to go out and get a star. And so they did that because they were wanted to be in mix for Anthony Davis. It didn't work out. You want to be in the mix for possibly a guy like uh, James Harden, but like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, but right now you have established stars. You hoard your assets so you can make the Godfather offer to get a top 10 top 20 player in this league but i think with the way the celtics are playing this year it's pretty established that they have at least two guys in the top 20 now i'm not going to say that the fan voting for all-star game is the greatest barometer of measuring um top tier talent in the league but the first returns did just come out and jason tatum is fourth in the eastern conference in the front court behind kevin durant Giannis and Joel Embiid and Jalen Brown is fourth in guards in the Eastern Conference behind Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And so if you look at this list of the kind of the top 40 vote getters, if you look at the top five in each category, it pretty much is the top 20 players in the league. Maybe replace Zach Levine with Bam Adebayo and John Morant with Devin Booker. But it's pretty clear that to me, at least as an extremely biased Celtics fan, that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are objectively top 20 players right now. So, so you're using the votes of all-star of fans for the all-star game as a definitive list of top 20 players. Yeah. Because it just, and you're waiting for that confirmation to decide where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum sit on the rank. Yeah, no, I think it really helped me organize the thing. I didn't know how to kind of like, it was tough to figure out how to uh, list the top 20 guys, but they gave me a framework with which to think front court, back court, Eastern conference, Western conference. Look at the list. The top five guys in each category are pretty much the top 20 players. You just make my changes. And it's just, it's obvious to me. They're, uh, they're quite good. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yes, they are. They are. And I don't think anyone needed the confirmation from those votes, except for you. You clearly do. I don't um, need it. I'm just saying it's another piece of evidence. You know, you always got to be adding evidence to the case. And just this arrangement of random players and numbers did it for me. Confirmation bias. 
they're the top uh, in the league. Do you think there's like any qualms with uh, the way the voting is? I think this, the fans actually did a pretty decent job in terms of if you're looking at the guys on the list, they rewarded guys actually having pretty good seasons. Uh, Julius Randle, Jeremy Grant, Colin Sexton. The only uh, qualms I have are Carmelo Anthony being in the top 10 and Clay Thompson being in the top 10. Uh, but other than that, I think the fans did a pretty good job. You thought Bradley Beal should be the number one guard in the East? He needs to get something, man. He just seems to be – you lose, what was it, 10 straight 40-point uh, scoring performances in a row. If this helps Bradley Beal feel a little bit better about his basketball life, I, I'm fine with that. I thought Ben Simmons was comically low <laughs> among Eastern Conference guards. Comically low. He is behind Colin Sexton, Trey Young, Zach Levine, Derek Rose, and Russell Westbrook. The narrative's gone on Ben Simmons. People are out. People are saying you have not improved since your rookie season. We are bored with your 12, 10, and 10. And just no more for me. Be more exciting. And I uh, I get it. You know, I'm done with Ben Simmons. He does, he's a great defender. He's probably an all NBA level player, but I need more flash for my all-star. Clay Thompson was 10th among guards in the Western Conference. That was very stupid. That it doesn't make sense. People Carmelo Anthony 10th among front court players in the Western Conference. That's the Dwayne Wade uh, award for a uh, washed up star who Zion sixth. Yeah, see, Zion out of the top five, not in a top 20 player in the he league. Put, he puts butts in the seat. He does, but I think it's going to be interesting. And I'm all here. Do you think they should be having an all-star game? This is a big debate. They basically agreed today that they're going to have an all-star game. People are saying, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is dumb. There's a major pandemic. Why are you bringing together people from all sorts of different cities to come and participate in this meaningless event? And today I say, I agree. It seems like a bad idea. Well, Jay King has been so aghast, appalled by that take because he unplugged his mic. Um, I, uh, my take on that is each team is playing 72 games. 72. Now, is there a risk of having 
players intermingle between, you know, from in a locker room with guys that they wouldn't normally hang with? Sure. Absolutely. There's but also a risk every single night when they play basketball over, against the huge, other. the huge outrage over one extra game in a schedule when teams are playing 72 games each seems a little much to me. That's a but, fair point. Then again, I, I'm no expert in the pandemic, and I I err on the side of caution in most cases. But in this case, I just think like it's it's one game among thousands and thousands and thousands of games. If you, if you have a a problem with the All Star game being played, you have a problem with the entire season being played, and you should probably be more vocal about that. I think that's the a very good point. It it doesn't seem that much more risky than any of the other. 72 games they have to play just the idea of everyone coming together doesn't seem like it uh just appearance wise makes sense but i mean if you're gonna money if you're gonna, speaks money speaks and if you're gonna go ahead and play the full season why not i they don't need to have the game the game like i actually watched clips from uh the went back to the film jay give me a take a drink if you're counting how many times i say that Watched the All Star game last year where they had the Elam ending. You rewatched the All Star game from last year. I, I just saw a YouTube video of like the fourth quarter. Uh, it was fun. I liked the Elam ending. I kind of would be excited for a Durant LeBron James draft. I think that's interesting. Uh, I don't think there's a draft this year though. It's East versus West, right? Oh, that's stupid. Why would they get rid of the draft? Because nobody gave a shit about the draft. I think. It was just pure content. It didn't mean anything. It, the game is pointless. You should just make up all the rules. Well, now, like, it's going to be entertaining. I'm going to watch. I'm not going to watch, like, the three-point competition or the skills challenge, and then I'll watch the dunks later. But, I don't know. The game is interesting. The players signed on, and players can make a lot of money. I think, what does Jalen Brown have? Like, a, a million-dollar bonus for making the All-Star team? Like, there is some economic incentive for all these players if they do get onto the All-Star team. They get a nice little chunk of change. I'm not saying that's what should be the case, but I'm saying that is the case. And we're going to talk about it here, but then I'm also going to watch the All-Star game when it happens. So um, that's all I got to say. You're an All-Star too. Thanks, Jay. That was the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Before we get to the potable six-pack presented by our good friends at Night Shift and the great Santilli IPA, I got to say, hand up. I don't know if I'm taking responsibility or apologizing, but let me establish you a set of facts. Last podcast, uh, we recorded, I believe, on Monday, and I complained about Tristan Thompson not having any impact on the offensive end and just really not playing with any energy at all. Boom, the next two days, Tristan Thompson has his best two games, basically as a Celtic, putting up 13-8 and eight against the Warriors and then 17-10 and 10 against the Kings. And absolutely just like that's the Tristan Thompson we've been wanting to see as Celtics fans. That's the Tristan Thompson I was imagining. I predicted he would be sixth man of the year. And so one happened. I said he was bad. And then next thing happened. uh, He all of a sudden got good. I'm not going to draw any sort of causal links between those two because that'd be a logical fallacy. But I'm just pointing them out in a chronological order. It's probably worth pointing out, too. That the Tice Thompson duo now has a plus net rating. Ooh, double bigs coming back. Plus 1.5. Don't let them get hot. Don't let them get hot. That's been a lot better lately. It's been actually a decent look for the last few weeks. 
So everyone hated on Brad Stevens for trying it. Everyone shitted on that duo for a long time. All of a sudden, if you look at their last few weeks, they have been pretty, pretty good. And the offense with that group is actually very good, which is weird. I don't know why, but very good. It's Probably because they're playing with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, and or Marcus Smart most of the time. But I do think Tristan Thompson was just like remarkably more aggressive on the offensive end in these past two games. Part of that was playing against a very small a Golden State Warriors team in the second second half after Looney went down. But he was actually making plays on the offensive end uh, and attacking was, the rim. He was deboing the Kings, like just just posting up right under the hoop and and really giving giving those guys a tough time. And when he plays that physically, that's what he needs to do. It, he needs to I do thought, didn't you think his uh, his comment after the game was kind of funny? Like, yeah, I had a, I just had to have a chat with myself. Like, <laughs> be I myself. I did not hear that comment. The West Coast games make me not stay up for his new calls. <laughs> I don't know why I brought out that voice for Tristan Thompson. Like, that's not even close to his <laughs> it voice. It doesn't sound like him at all, but I'm glad he put on, went to another character. But, yeah, I had to throw on. On well, that he's character. I, I just enjoyed it because he was like, yeah, just had a chat with myself, told myself I, I can't be hesitant. You know why teams want to be? Because I'm me. So I got to be me. That's basically what I was trying to say on uh, on the last podcast. So either he had a chat with himself or a chat with me. He I think he's just been listening to our podcast and thought it was his own voice. Or he just doesn't want to give me credit for being a, a motivator, uh, but he's certainly playing better, a lot more aggressive. Daniel Tice is knocking down threes left and right. I think uh, he's been more comfortable at the four. The thing that's interesting to me from this team is that they've been pretty successful. I mean, not so much in the last couple of games. I think they've lost three of four, but I was looking at their assist to turnover ratio because I feel like with uh Marcus being out you're going to rely on Tatum to be playmakers and I think they're the stat you brought up the last podcast about their horrible net rating in the fourth quarter a lot of that I think has to do with turnovers going into last night's game they were the second worst team in the league in terms of assist to turnover ratio they're still like bottom five right now that's not something you normally expect with a Brad Stevens team if you go back and look they're usually in like the top five they have a lot of good assists and they're usually are a lower turnover team why do you think that is happening in uh this year they don't have a lot of great passers i think it's because they're assisting the ball less and turning the ball over more yeah they just don't have a lot of great passers i mean i mean when you think of a lot of the best teams in the league passing wise a lot of them have you know that big man you can play through who you throw it to him in the elbow and he's throwing bounce passes to cutters so are you blaming this on a uh, the lack of Al Horford? No, but I, I'm saying Al Horford made things a lot easier to run an offense like that. And and the Celtics don't have that. And e- even among their best players, like Tatum has grown as a playmaker. Jalen Brown has grown as a playmaker. Kemba can make plays. Marcus Smart can run pick and rolls. But they don't have an elite passer in that in that group, an elite playmaker in that group. They don't have someone who can just orchestrate an offense and draw a deep like Marcus marking sort of orchestrated an offense, but he doesn't draw enough attention where it frees up everything. So I just think they're, they're not a great passing team. And then you look at their supporting cast. It's like, how many dudes do they have? who are good passers 
or do much of anything <laughs> offensively. So, like, like Shemi's not going to give you a pass. Carson Edwards isn't going to help your assist numbers. Um, Aaron Neesmith, not going to help your assist numbers. Like, I also go, think that's you a can problem. go down the list, and and Jeff Teague may help, but he turns the ball over a fair amount. Um, that he does. That he so. does. I think it's also a factor of just they have. It feels like they have a less egalitarian offense, and that's maybe that's something with being able to play five out with Al Horford or having the kind of the wing depth that they had last year, where they although the the best five lineup never really worked out. But it feels like the offense this year is much more predicated on let's give the ball to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and let them go to work primarily with them scoring less on side to side ball movement, everyone getting a chance. Um, And so I think with that approach, you're going to get just less assists in general because it's going to be more Jalen and Jason going one-on-one. And then with all the attention that that garners, like I think the Tatum's going to Tatum's had some bad turnovers. uh, He's going to have some high turnover games. I don't think Jalen is as bad. Tatum is a very low turnover guy. Well, Okay, then I'm wrong, but it feels like he's had the eye test says he's had some high turnover uh, games over the past couple of weeks. But I think that just comes with the amount of usage he has. The eyes are wrong. Probably. I mean, uh, that most often happens. That's why I have to go back and watch the film, you know, because that's what uh, (laughs) just to make sure I got it right. Uh, Anything else from your notebook before we go to the world famous potable six pack? Uh. I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I, I do think like, and there's something too, just having guys who can go and get their own offense. Like the best offenses don't need to be high assist offenses. A lot of the time they're not. Um, so it's not like it's mutually benefit or mutually exclusive. So the Celtics, they, they can get away with not having great assist guys because they got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker who can just go and get theirs. And it's an argument to be made that you'd rather have the one-on-one style offense in playoffs, like down the stretch where the game slows down and you're like, it's harder to generate like a nine pass possession with like great looks that you kind of more rely on -on one-on-one players. All right. We are transitioning now to everyone's favorite segment. My favorite segment, the potable six pack where Jay and I pick the sixth most important, most interesting things to occur over the last couple of games. And this is brought to you by our friends at Night Shift who uh, sent us over some nice Santilli IPAs uh, brewing on the Santilli Highway in Everett. Uh, Shout out to the folks out there uh, at Night Shift for producing the Santilli IPA. It's a wonderful beer. Uh, It's just, it's their best IPA and you can pretty much get Night Shift anywhere uh, the, the ad read says all over Massachusetts, but then I went to the website. It's all over, uh, the United States. If you go to nsbeer.co slash beer finder, pretty much up and down, I think the East coast, you can find yourself, uh, a Santilli night shift even has delivery, uh, if you're in the Boston area. And so if you want Santilli or any other night shift beer delivered to your door, you can do that and, uh, enjoy with us as we go through this potable six pack. Night shift is scrumptious it's absolutely fantastic so if you want to find it go to nsbeer.co slash beer finder look out for where you can find in stores and you can also get that delivery jay i'm gonna go first because i make the rules um my first thing in the potable six pack it's not something we normally do on here is giving plugs to other pieces of celtics entertainment but 
uh, last game, I listened to the um, Brad Stevens interview with Sean Grandy before the game, and it was like a 12-minute long interview. It's fantastic. I need to go back and listen to this. It's basically the most unfiltered Brad uh, you'll ever encounter with him. He's developed such a relationship with Grandy that he's basically like giving Grandy shit. Grandy's giving him shit right back. He was like, you lied to us about Kemba not being available. You knew that uh, he wasn't going to play. And Brad basically is like, yeah, I admitted it, but I didn't know for sure. Brad keeps on saying like, oh, there's only three listeners on here. It's just uh, probably the most unfiltered Brad content you're going to get. And so I had to give a shout out to that because I had not been listening to these, but it's definitely going to be something moving forward because it just felt like a very casual conversation. That you, and it's not something you expect before uh, any games, especially from Brad Stevens, who won't even tell you the starting lineup. I need to... Keep the Grandy praise to a minimum because he's a friend of the I, show. I don't want I don't want to pump his ego up any more than it already is. But that being said, his rapport with Brad Stevens is fantastic. And I know he's put a lot of work into that. And so yeah, he's fantastic with Brad. Just don't tell him I said that. I mean, he did uh, do play-by-play of you vomiting uh, McDonald's for a good cause. So I think he's a friend of the show, and I'm gonna give him his credit. Check out the pregame interviews from um, Grandy and Brad because they're just good stuff. It's unfiltered Brad for like 12 minutes. We're in the pregame. And it's scrum- like sarcastic, funny Brad, which you don't get very often. Because when you're in the scrums, you can't ask follow-up questions. There's no like a ability to build rapport with Brad. He, You ask a question, then he's just like very no-nonsense about it. This is like, oh, you actually get to see some personality. So that's my first thing I – discovered for the potable six pack i highly recommend people go check it out i'm gonna go with harrison barnes overload there was a lot of harrison barnes it was a propaganda it it was bordering on propaganda a lot of harrison barnes talk um and he i think he would be a good target with that tpe i think he would help the celtics but a lot of harry barnes talk well, you know, it's like your, our friend Chris Forsberg writes an article about it, and now they're giving him his own And Forsberg segment. wrote a great article. Forsberg deserves the segments. I'm not going to hate on that. I'm not Forsberg hating. Forsberg is, is my guy. Job. All He's, those guys are my guy. But there was just a lot of Harry Barnes talk. That's just the product of having a regional sports network. You got to create content each and every night. Like, what else are you going to talk about in that Kings game? It's the ideal thing. I'm just trying to think of who else the Celtics will play um that will get their own kind of tpe possibility it's got to be like a western conference team i don't know we didn't get this much talk with the bulls we didn't get really get it with the magic uh it just felt like all the stars aligned for he's a pretty uh, the kings are bad he's a good candidate and uh it's a west coast trip 10 on a wednesday night we need something to talk about uh potable six pack pick three overall Kemba Walker saying that he has trouble stopping. And obviously that's not a good thing, but that was the first time since he came back that he kind of gave a hint that not everything is hunky-dory. And he said, he didn't say he had trouble stopping. He just said like he thinks about it or something like that. And so, yeah, so that was, that was kind of like, okay, um, all right, something to keep an eye on. Very much something to keep an eye on because part of what makes him great is that he can stop and start as much as he can and be quick and and shifty and all that stuff. So I don't know if the potable six-pack is the right time to put that out there, but I thought we should discuss that and 
It's important. Very yeah, important. He, he just doesn't look that confident getting to the rim at this point or like, and I feel like in the Warriors game, he would get into the paint, but be looking to pass and not as like much looking to score or pull up. It makes sense. It is something to, it's a red flag, definitely. Uh, and it might explain why some performances he looks like he has his bounce and some he doesn't. It's just maybe confidence in that and need. It, it but it could just be in his head. Like, like it used to hurt him and now it doesn't anymore. And he's still thinking about how it hurt him a little bit. So. He doesn't want to be as aggressive. Yeah, uh, definitely something to note. Um, I think it's it's plenty. It's potable six pack worthy. My second pick in the potable six pack has got to be Twitter user DeMarco0055. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Jay, but it was someone. Okay, it was someone pretending to be Jeff Teague's burner account, just going to just going to bat for Jeff Teague. Just quote tweeting everyone. Are you sure they were pretending? Yes, I've been on the internet for way too long to know a bur- a fake burner when I see a fake burner. Demarco zero zero fifty five. Jeff Teague's middle name is Demarco. His number is fifty five. It's just too simplistic. Like it's just. I don't think Jeff Teague is that bad at being on the internet that he would make a screen name DeMarco0055 and then go out defending it himself the day before he's going to start. It's just, it's it's good. It was funny. It's a good bit by whoever's running that account, but there's 0% chance it's Jeff Teague. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with you. Um, I agree with you. There, There's no chance that is Jeff Teague, but... It was a good bit. It worked. It was a good bit. I think it was it was funny for a day, and we'll we'll see how long, how much uh, lasting power it has. My next pick, we brought it up a little bit earlier in the episode. Well, maybe it was on the Google brief. Who knows? Grant Williams knocking down threes, sidestep threes, also hit a huge three down the stretch against the Kings, uh, an above the break three. Anytime that guy makes threes, it's going to be a good thing for the Celtics. But I did not sit, expect the little sidestep move. Uh, he's just been pretty solid over these last two games in terms of uh, knocking down the threes. So good for Grant Williams. Uh, impressed by what he's able, able to do because they're definitely going to need some sort of bench scoring and any three from Grant is a good three. Yeah. Yeah. Grant Williams. He's shooting close to 50% this year from three. Don't let him get hot. And he was 10 for 17 in the playoffs. And if you, he had if to, you if you date back to the playoffs, I think he's shooting more than fifty percent on three pointers, dating back to the beginning of the playoffs. He hasn't taken many, but I also uh, probably should have given credit for having the perfect uh, missed free throw. And so, more more time for Grant. I think it's going to be there. Uh, he deserves more time, uh, especially if he's shooting like this. Your pick. Salute to Grant. Um, my pick. I, oh, oh, I know exactly what I'm going with. Carson Edwards' pull. <laughs> the, the three he hit early in his stint was like the cockiest three. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It was just in transition, pull up in your face. And it was fantastic. I, it gave me joy because... I just wish I had the confidence uh, to shoot that shot, uh, but it was fantastic. Carson Edwards pulling up from 28 moments after stepping into the game. Pretty much all he did was those three points, but he made us notice. He made us remember 
and he made us pay attention to him. And that's uh, that's definitely notable for Carson Edwards. The only other honorable mentions I have is um, Jalen Brown's sweet dunk uh, at the end of the uh, Warriors game. Homicidal Jaden was uh, Jalen was kind of back. Um, but other than that, Javante continues to be uh, a great jumper. Oh, I should have mentioned this. I, I'm upset that I didn't mention it earlier, but did you catch on Tuesday night the ESPN broadcast talking about a certain point guard on the Warriors? They said, oh, what Brad Wanamaker, just such a such a solid point guard in this league. Uh, it was fantastic. It's, he's, his reputation is, uh, is national at this point. Brad Wanamaker, sturdy, solid, official on national television. He is the sturdiest and solidest. So dude. forget, forget for those keeping score at home, forget that I picked Grant. Go back to Wanamaker being sturdy and solid for my official last pick uh, for the potable six pack. Yeah, and, buddy. Anything else, Jay? That's uh, six picks. So nope. That's all, all right. Thank you guys for listening to this oh, episode. Brad Stevens trying to shoot a three. Oh, that was on my list too. I can't believe we forgot that. I can't believe I picked Carson's three when I could have picked Brad's almost three. That is a huge fucking mistake. I have On never both been our parts. more I disappointed in myself. Oh, my God. Brad was ready to pull. A clear goaltend, by the way. An great obvious, form. Great form. Took, it back, took it back to the DePaul days, back to the Indiana high school big-time scoring days. He was ready. And, and I'll tell you what, that thing was going in. <laughs> that thing was going in. If if he had let it fly, that thing was going in. He he was dead focused on the rim. Do you think if he drains it there, the Celtics automatically win that game? Like how no, much? Of a- I think they they cower away in in shame because they don't have the shooting ability that their coach does. It's a high risk move to for Brad Stevens to pull there. I understand why he didn't take the shot because you don't want to embarrass yourself. Uh, that's a huge momentum swing. I think if he makes it, the team goes crazy. They kind of ride that energy to the victory, overcome a horrendous um, <laughs> goaltending call. Just one of the worst. Jalen missed free throws after that. If Brad knocks down that three from the corner, everyone's riding high, and the Celtics have a two-game winning streak. I don't think they ever lose again if he takes and makes <laughs> that three from the corner. But I, think they should I guess we'll never know. Thing. I we'll guess never we'll know. never know. Rare opportunity for Brad to catch it perfectly in the shooting pocket, but no. He keeps that in the holster. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please give us five stars. We'll be back next week. The Celtics play uh, the Clippers on Friday night. little Sunday matinee against the Phoenix Suns before Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. We'll have uh, all of that and more next week. And so thank you for listening to this episode of Everything is Potable!